Looking for the best place to buy tickets for any of your favorite teams or sporting events? We've got the spot. Our partner, StubHub, has been the leading ticket marketplace in the world for over 20 years, providing a 100% guarantee with every order. From a worldwide selection of live events, the widest choice of tickets and industry-leading partnerships, StubHub has what you need to purchase with confidence. StubHub, an official partner of The Athletic. on Total Soccer Show, the weekly episode where we take a deep dive into one of the biggest news stories of the week. And this week, we're focusing on those who are getting on the plane to Auckland. Yes, the USWNT roster has dropped today as we record, and we're going to go through it position by position, and we'll take a look ahead to the big Antipodean Jamboree. Not often you get to say the word Antipodean, but there we go. Uh, my name's Ryan Bailey. Join me today. Hello, Graham Ruthven. Do you say Antipodean much in your vocabulary? Hello, Ryan Bailey. No, I don't. I'm not even sure I know what that word means. Can you explain it to me? I believe it means south of the equator, darling. So Australia is just south. I've never been there. Wait, actually, have I never been south of the equator? This might be a thing that I'm only just realising now. Oh, you've never been? Mm. So sad. So sad. Tell tell me of your world travelling ways, Ryan Bailey. (laughs) Uh, Not so much uh, for that for today, Graham. But why don't we introduce our other co-host, Mr. Joseph Lowry. Joe, ever been south of the equator? Uh, I have been south of the equator, I do believe. I would not have been able to rattle off the word Antipodean, though, in the same way as you have, Ryan. So I would argue then I haven't truly been south of the equator if I don't know the word Antipodean. But you did know that the toilet goes the other way when you flush it, right? Oh, it's 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 swirling all sorts of crazy directions, Ryan. It's unreal. I know that as well, Ryan, but only because of The Simpsons. Exactly. That's the only reason I know it, too. But I did test it when I went to Australia, for real. (laughs) <laughs> Do they have the machine at the US Embassy to make it turn the other way? Yeah, and he'll salute it every time it goes. That's right, that's right. Uh, anyway, the roster is out. The roster is out for the USWNT's trip to New Zealand and Australia. Uh, a star-studded video, yeah. Graham. Not only the president of the USA, but the president of Gen Z, Taylor Swift, in there as well. Very impressive stuff. Alex Morgan getting the, the Swifty shout-out, which felt about right. I kind of knew that... They were friends even before she revealed that they were friends. I don't know why Taylor Swift and Alex Morgan feels like a, a friendship you, you knew existed before you actually knew it existed. But yeah, Shaquille O'Neal announcing Trinity Rodman, Megan Thee Stallion, who, who I believe is like a pop star or something. I'm sounding so old. You're I'm better only than this, Graham. You're better than this, Graham. You can do better. Uh, <laughs> she announced Megan Rapinoe, Tina Fey, Emily, Emily Sonnet, uh, Blake Lively with a It's Football Not Soccer joke. Yay. I didn't really enjoy that one much. Uh, John Cena, Lil Wayne. Yeah, there's loads of people in there that I recognize. I'm not that old, Joe. Joe, I'd actually like to know whom out of you and Graham recognized the most people in that video. I'd be interested on on the count there. I I still haven't had a chance to watch the video because (laughs) we're recording so soon after the roster dropped. Uh, But now that Graham's told me everyone that was in it, yeah, I know all those people. Yep, yep, I win. Did I win? See, the thing is, we gave ourselves about 30 minutes to do some research time between the drop and recording. I spent at least half of that time watching that video, which I'm not sure was the best use of of, of that uh, time. No regrets. I did the same thing, Graham. (laughs) I did the same thing. Joe, how excited are we for the Women's World Cup, the ninth edition of the Women's World Cup uh, in Australia and New Zealand as we have established another Winter World Cup, the second consecutive one? Mm. I'm... I'm stoked, right? That is a weird thing about the weather, though, that you just mentioned. That kind of threw me for a loop. I'm really excited about this tournament, both because it feels like every time the Women's World Cup comes around, it's getting more and more established. It's getting more of the attention that it it should as an incredibly exciting sporting tournament. Like, this is just a good product, and I'm incredibly excited for us to get to dig in more to the teams and do previews and, and cover this as it gets going next month. We're like 30 yeah. days away from this thing starting, which is crazy. And my excitement, guys, intensified when this roster dropped. I'll be honest, I sent over like a predicted roster in our Slack to help, you know, kind of prepare and and get my thoughts in order and and hopefully do something similar for you all. And the roster comes out and there was several different items, several names that either were or weren't there that I didn't expect. This is, this is going to be spicy. You're on the, well, you're only what, two or, you were only like two or three out, 
Yeah, in, in terms of I, I guess, but it, it feels like the names that weren't there or some of the ones that are there kind of like shift the makeup of the roster and the position dynamics pretty extensively. So we'll see if I still feel the same. I, I have a little concern, a lot of concern in certain areas and a lot of excitement in other areas. We'll see where we end up at the end of this one. We shall see indeed. Graham, your thoughts on this contest? Um, the game, As Joe mentions, it's less than a month away. July 20th is the first game. I, I, I worry, Graham, that the time zones might kick our butts uh, yeah. in this one. Uh, Auckland <laughs> is 16 hours ahead of the East Coast. Um, so the first US game is on July 22nd against Vietnam. That's 1 p.m. in Auckland. It's actually the 21st in the US. It's 9 p.m. the previous evening. So a nice prime time slot for that first game. But when you get to the final on Sunday, August 20th, that's 8 p.m. local in Sydney, which is 4 a.m. Eastern. Mm, great. Cool. Yeah. I mean, that's still better for me in my time zone because that's <laughs> 9 a.m. I am very concerned about United States Vietnam on the 22nd, which is uh, 2 in the morning yeah. for me and yeah. the Netherlands game as well as 2 in the morning. So... Yeah, who needs sleep? Yeah, the last USA-Netherlands game we saw in this competition was a much more agreeable time zone for the Europeans, Graham. You will, uh, you will no doubt remember in 2019. Um, mm. Portugal in the group as well. Why don't we get to the the, the uh, roster, which as we uh, were recording just dropped minutes ago, as we just mentioned. Let's start off with the goalkeeper positions, shall we, Joe? Listen there, Casey Murphy and Aubrey Kingsbury are the three goalkeeper choices. Presumably, it's just a listen there, first choice. Uh, any any more discussion on this one? I don't think there is, but I think there should be. So I have two things to say on the goalkeepers. There was one real question for Vlako Andonovsky coming into the roster drop at this position. And I wrote about this, and I'll, I'll just do a shameless plug now, and the rest of the squad for Backheel.com and, and added some grades and insight over there. If folks want to go read that, they, they're obviously more than welcome to do so. The That's first what big... Joe did with his half an hour. He didn't watch the unveiling video. He actually yeah, did. I was, like, I was typing furiously. He was productive. <laughs> yeah. um, I mean, hey, Graham, somebody's got to watch the video. Like, uh, I, I think you did an important role. gave <laughs> us something to talk about. The, the first big question for Andonovsky, it's not really that big of a question, but was it going to be Aubrey Kingsbury or Adriana French for this third goalkeeper position? The third goalkeeper spot doesn't matter at a World Cup, so it didn't really make a big difference, but... Kingsbury earned this spot. French had not really been a regular starter this year for the current in the NWSL, and, and Kingsbury has been very, very good for the Washington Spirit. So Andonovsky made the right choice there. The The next big choice, so that's not exactly related to the roster, but more related to the gameplay, is will Andonovsky make the next correct choice after getting the right three goalkeepers and not start Alyssa Nair? And, and he will, right? Ooh. He's definitely going to start okay. Alyssa Nair. But Alyssa Nair, guys, she's not been good. This year for the Chicago Red Stars, and it's not just because the Red Stars are really bad. I mean, they've been stapled towards the bottom of the table in the NWSL for almost the entire season and have never come close to recovering after Mallory Swanson's injury for the U.S. Women's National Team back in April. But she's been a below-average shot stopper in the league right now. She's in the 46th percentile when it comes to saving shots above the expected rate in the NWSL. She's just like a bang-on-average goalkeeper. And I'm not saying she's going to be tragic for the U.S. at the gold at the at the World Cup. Excuse me, Gold Cup. Get that Gold Cup nonsense out of here. Mm-hmm. She's not she's not going to be tragic, most likely. But she's had some big misses this year in the league. I, I think both Murphy and Kingsbury have been playing better, and maybe have been playing better for quite some time now. Yeah, and and both Kingsbury and Murphy as well, y- younger, significantly younger than 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 they are. So with this team in a bit of a generational transition, and that's probably not the first time I'll use that uh, those buzzwords because that is very much a storyline for the US heading into this World Cup. I can see where you're coming from, Joe, in that if there's not much between them, and you're saying that there is, your opinion is there, there is something between yeah. them, but let's just say for argument's sake that there's not much between them, which seems to be the general consensus between Nair and, and Murphy in particular, then why not just lean fully into the goalkeeper that will be your goalkeeper for the next, you know, six to eight years, which Casey Murphy might well be. Uh, point of uh, house style, by the way, Joe, Andonovsky, you referred to the coach. Do we go Andonovsky or do we generally say Vlatko? Vlatko is probably the go-to, but I'm guessing folks will hear me kind of alternate back and forth between the two. I I always feel weird calling professionals and and people around this space that I don't know and even ones Mm. that I like have had a conversation or two with. It feels weird and too personal to call them by their first names. Like, I don't know you. Like, you don't know who I am. I usually go last name, but 
Vlatko is a lot easier to say than Andonovsky, uh, so I think maybe he gets a pass in this case. Okay. T- today is roster drop day, Ryan. So Joe's ascent- he's got his podcasting tucks on. Uh, yeah. th- there's there's some professionalism today, and so he's saying Andonovsky rather than. There's Vlatko. literally ticker tape falling behind Joe as we record right now. It's quite spectacular. He brought that back from it. Vegas. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He got a, a cannon, a cannon, Graham. Very impressive. <laughs> um, let's go to the central defensive group, Joe. Naomi Gamer, Alana Cook, and Emily. Sonnet is that all the central defenders yes yeah yeah it is and that was the first big surprise that came out when the roster dropped is that after Becky Sauerbrunn's injury and make no mistake Becky Sauerbrunn would have been on this team and she would have been wearing the captain's armband for every minute she was on the field for the U.S. in Australia in New Zealand after her injury she's been dealing with a foot issue the athletic reported last week that she would I think that was last week honestly Vegas has completely thrown off my Ability to, to track time. But either way, the athletic It's actually next that, week in Australia. Dude, that's tight. That's crazy. The time difference is going to be wild this summer. <laughs> I don't know how we're going to deal with that. We're going to be so far behind. Basically, Sauerbrunn was, was going to be out, and we knew it. Uh, I thought what Vlaka would do in this case would be to bring Tierna Davidson, who's played a number of times at the U.S. women's national team, is back from an ACL injury that she suffered in 2022. She's been a regular starter for the Red Stars. Uh, basically, everybody on that team hasn't been great this year, and that applies to Davidson as well. But I thought she would be a somewhat safe backup option for Vlatko. Instead, he just decided to go with three and to go with Gurma, to go with Cook, and to go with Emily Sonnet, who is like a rotation player more than anything else. She's like half fullback, half central defender, but she plays as a number six for the OL range. Like she can play anywhere, but I'm I'm just not convinced she's particularly good anywhere. So you're coming into this tournament with two center backs that you feel mostly good about, Gurma much more than than Cook. And then no solid backup. I, I, I'm really concerned about this position. Like, they're they're one injury away from needing Emily Sonnet to be a regular starter in, like, a big World Cup knockout game. And it doesn't feel great to me, even with a lack of options in this position group. So, Joe, just before we started recording, uh, Vlatko was giving his, his press conference, obviously, after the, the roster drop. And he was asked about Julie Ertz, who is someone we're probably going to talk quite a bit about later on. He was asked about the possibility of Ertz playing as a, as a central defender, and he said it's something that they're looking to do. Or, or, hmm. or we're, I'm paraphrasing slightly there, but some, he said something like they're going to explore that that option. So maybe that's where he sees the backup option yeah. as, and there's a bit of positional overlap there for for Julie Ertz. Hmm. Yeah, Graham, that's a great catch, and I think is is a much better solution, frankly, even with Ertz just coming back into the fold. And maybe we'll talk more about her in, in just a minute. I think there is a, a real value that she would bring to that spot over someone like Sonnet. Like Ertz is, is I think, better in midfield and brings you a little bit more in those spaces, but she's not maybe quite as mobile as she used to be. She's not maybe quite as sharp as she used to be. So if you're looking for cover, Ertz is, is a decent option to give you some of that cover. Uh, Graham, uh, regardless of whether um, Black can get a song out of Sonnet, boom, boom, uh, yeah. do you share Joe's concerns about the depth in the central defensive position? Yeah, I think after Becky Serbran um, drops out, there's a, there's an obvious lack of depth, as you kind of referenced there, um, Ryan. We knew Naomi Gurma and Alana Cook were going to be included as as shoe-ins. I think Gurma has been one of the best American centre backs at, at kind of club and international level for what the last eighteen months. Um, certainly, I think maybe Kelly O'Hara, who I know isn't a you know a, a central defender, but she's included in, in, in the roster as well. I think maybe her coming into the defensive roster is a nod to Becky Serbrown not being in this roster and just bringing some experience to the back line, albeit in a in a, in a different position. But yeah, I, I do share those uh, those fears that Joe has. It's maybe the weakest, certainly in terms of depth, if not the starting players. It's certainly the, it seems like the weakest part of the roster. All right, looking on to the fullback positions, we have Emily Fox, we have Kelly O'Hara, the aforementioned, we have Sofia Huerta, and Graham, we have Crystal Dunn back in the rotation after childbirth 13 months ago. Yeah, and Crystal Dunn is a, an interesting one, certainly a bit of a hot-button topic right now. Um, no denying she deserves to be in the roster after the way that she's she's come back in over the last 12 months at club level and, and international level as well. 
but she has been in exceptional form at club level, but in a more advanced position than she tends to play for, for the US. She's obviously been playing predominantly at left-back for the US under Vlatko. I think she's very good in that position, but her numbers in a kind of more attacking midfield position in the NWSL this season, she's right up there in some of the charts, and so the debate is whether it'd be worthwhile moving her into a into more attacking position, particularly when you have... Um, you know, people, players like uh, Emily Fox and Sophia Herta, um, Fox in particular, I think her versatility is a really big asset for the US, given that she can play on, on both sides. She's very good in one-on-one situations. She can also cut into the middle with, with the ball, which I think is useful given some of the, the balance issues in midfield, which we're certainly going to talk about um, more. And then Huerta as well, you know, a, a, a solid, reliable performer performer at, at right back. I guess it just comes down to how much Flacco wants to get Crystal Dunn into his into his lineup and where he wants to get her into his lineup. Yeah. And then you kind of pick the the fullbacks around um, around her. But yeah, there's a bit of debate over what position Dunn will be playing at this World Cup. Yeah, the challenge with her playing in midfield as a number eight, which is where she would play if she was to go into that position or a number 10, whatever, the lines are blurred with how the U.S. play most of the time, is that Vlaco brought five, like, eight, ten players, like five attacking midfielder, number eight hybrid kind of players. We'll talk more about them as we get to that spot. But, like, I'm not ruling out Dunn playing higher up the field. I just don't see where the room is. I don't know why you would bring five of those players who can really play in that spot and do play in that spot all the time for both club and country when you wanted Dunn to do that job. So I would expect Dunn to play the vast majority of her minutes at left back in this tournament. Fox will eat up all of the other important minutes at right back. You know, maybe we'll see Dunn higher up the field in moments, both like as just some pure tactical rotations. And, and maybe if Flacco decides to get a little saucy and, and give Dunn the, the spot that she's very clearly and very publicly wanted, I would be pretty surprised though if we saw anyone other than Dunn and Fox really dominate minutes on the outside of the US's back four. All right, we need to take a quick break. When we come back, we'll look at the defensive and attacking positions. We'll dig a little deeper into this roster selection. Back shortly. Hey, folks, this is Taylor from the Total Soccer Show, reminding you that we are inching ever closer to the start of the summer transfer window, which means there are teams that will buy and sell their players early. There are teams that will leave that business very late, and there are teams that will operate in between. But no matter what, it's going to be a chaotic situation. There's going to be offers coming through willy-nilly. There's going to be transactions to be tracked and processed and make sure that enough money is there. There's going to be probably angry clubs calling to complain. There are many things to deal with. And unfortunately for those clubs, there is no sort of business tool that makes things easier, makes transactions simpler, gets the business done efficiently and effectively. But for the small businesses around the globe, there is such a service, Shopify. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business, from the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage, Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're auctioning autographed apparel or selling sleek kits, Shopify helps you sell everywhere from their all-in-one e-commerce platform to their in-person POS system. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Shopify helps turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout, up to 36% better compared to other leading commerce platforms. And you can sell more with less effort thanks to Shopify Magic, your AI-powered all-star. And I really appreciate that about Shopify. No matter how big you are, no matter how fast you want to grow, Shopify gives you everything you need to take control and take your business to the next level. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the United States, and Shopify's the global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, Brooklyn, and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 175 countries. That's as many countries as will be selling players in the transfer window this summer. Plus, Shopify's extensive help resources are there to support your success every step of the way because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash TSS, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash TSS now to grow your business no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash TSS. Total Soccer Show, welcome back to our big thing. We are discussing the USWT roster drop, the 23 players who will be going to Australia and New Zealand this 
Antipodean winter. That's what I'm calling it. Very good. Okay. Uh, Joe, let's go to the defensive midfield positions. Uh, the aforementioned Julie Ertz uh, back in here and Andy Sullivan. Yeah, those are the two for the United States women's national team coming into this summer tournament. Ertz left it late. Like she left it really late. She returned to action for the US women's national team pretty much just in time to make it to this World Cup. She was away from the team for almost two years. Uh, she played the Olympics with them back in 2021, that would have been. And then stepped away, uh, but returned back in April after having a child. Mm. She played two games for the U.S. against Ireland back in April. Then she signs for Angel City in the NWSL. So it, all of the boxes sort of had been checked recently of getting back with the national team, even while she was unattached at that point, which was strange, but I think important for her and for the team. Then she signs in the NWSL. She hasn't been fantastic in the NWSL. She hasn't looked like her, her full self but I, I did think she looked very good back in April for the yeah. U.S. women's national team. It was a real reminder in those games against Ireland of what she can be and what she can bring. She brings strength. She brings really smart positioning. She brings a huge set uh, threat on set pieces, excuse me, and, and can hit a pass every now and then, even if she's not fantastic at that part of the game. I think Ertz should be the starter, you know, barring injuries in the center back spot and some shuffling that's needed there. I think she should start at the six. If there are issues further back in, in the back line, that does change a lot of the calculation here. But Ertz is, is, for me, the obvious number one here. We'll get a better picture of this in the send-off game that's coming up towards the beginning of July. But Ertz is the number one, Sullivan is the number two. I feel like maybe the U.S. is missing out on a more metronomic. See, I can do big words too, Ryan. I can do big words too. <laughs> metronomic yeah, I think they're, great. I think they're missing on a, a metronomic kind of midfielder. Sam Coffey for the Portland Thorns is the one that, that comes to mind for me. That's a miss because Sullivan is kind of just like Ertz, but worse. But I I don't know. You, you can't be too irritated at that point, given that we've known this decision was coming for quite some time. Joe, is it ball progression and line breaking use of possession that is the concern for you in that position? Because I remember watching the USA Ireland game. We spoke about that on the show a couple of months ago. And when Ertz plays that game does she come off the bench in the first game i can't yes i think she comes off the bench in both at least in the first game yeah because i remember there being very much like an a b test between the the team without her and and with her and there was a there was an improvement it seemed like in the in breaking the lines through use of possession is that the concern that you hold with with the number six role i think that she i think that juilliards brings more in that spot defensively and with the ball than Andy Sullivan. Like if we're talking about, you know, upgrade over Sullivan, Ertz does a little bit more on the ball, but she still doesn't bring you a ton of reliable contributions. Like they'll get something out of her in that way when the U.S. have to dominate possession. But I still think they left a little something on the table by not bringing someone like Coffee. But I, again, I've had months to kind of come to terms with that being the case for Blacko. Uh, Graham, the five other midfielders in the roster, we have Rose Lavelle, Lindsay Horan, Ashley Sanchez, Savannah DeMello, and Christy Mewis. Yeah, a, a good, um, certainly in terms of the individuals there. I mean, the, the discussion around the, the midfield has been about the balance, right, and, and, and the formula. And it doesn't really feel like, well, the U.S. do have good individual options and in there, and all, all those players that you mentioned there are, you know, top performers either very experienced players that have been at World Cups before or kind of younger options that are doing their thing in the NWSL. Um, but the balance hasn't quite been there. And, and to be honest, that is the big concern and the big question about this roster and this team heading into the World Cup is related to the midfield and, and finding that balance and finding that formula because, as all soccer fans will know, so much of a, a team's success and failure comes down to the, the balance of the midfield. Uh, Rose Lavelle, she has a, a concern herself. So we've mentioned a few injured players who are not in this roster. Becky Sarbrown being one, uh, Katarina Macario being uh, another Lavelle hasn't played since the April friendly against that game that Joe and I were just talking about there, the the Republic of Ireland game. But she is in the roster and some of the recent reporting suggests that she will be she will be fine. She is making progress. Maybe she doesn't start the first couple matches in in the group stage, um, but I predict she will be a key figure again by the time the knockout rounds uh, come around. Uh, Lindsay uh, Horan as well was um, was a lock in this squad. Ashley Sanchez Sanchez as well, excuse me, established in the squad. And at this point, no surprises there. Uh, Joe, I think you might have raised some concerns about Horan's. Maybe I imagined this. Correct me if I'm wrong, but Horan's like a mobility. Um, yeah. in terms of like box to box 
ability but I think when she is at her most mobile she is still a, a, a good box-to-box presence and she provides defensive coverage for when the team is de- in defensive transition and obviously she's very experienced but she's maybe another one of the, the players that um, there's a question mark over in terms yeah. of the, the formula and the balance of this midfield unit. Yeah I, I like to be clear I like the choices from Endonovsky in this group like I, I think he, he nailed the selections here for the number eight slash tens kind of players the, the players that might be a little bit higher than the six and might be pulling the strings up higher up the field behind the front three. I think all of those things work really well. I am not 100% confident in the two players that I think most of us believe will start for the U.S. at this tournament. In Rose Lavelle, who's been injured. Graham you know, talked about some of that stuff. And Lindsey Horan, who's also been injured in the past and at 29, does not nearly move as well as she used to. And that kind of concerns me. I don't love how Haran has played in recent games for the U.S. I don't think she was very good in the last window, and I think she kind of struggled earlier on this year as well. Lacko kind of changed his midfield shape a little bit to more of a 4-2-3-1, so a 2-1 shape rather than a 1-2, with Haran deeper next to the number six in moments. You know, maybe that role works well for her, and she can get on the ball a bit more and not have to, to be as aggressive box-to-box. But man, Haran has, has always been special, both because of her technical ability, but also because of her movement, like her arrival in the box, those late arriving runs that that make her a threat and can get the ball in her head and then the ball off her head into the back of the net. So I am concerned about the two first choice players, but I like the selections here. And if they are functioning at their best, I think the U.S. will be better off for it. Ashley Sanchez and Christy Mewis, both, you know, reasonable selections. Mewis, I'm, I'm not super high on, but she's versatile. She can play fullback if she absolutely needs to. It's helpful to have those kinds of players in tournament play. And she's been good as a, a sort of a free eight for Gotham this year, who have been, I think, better than a lot of folks, myself included, expected them to be. The name that I am most excited about, though, and I'm not sure how much this will end up mattering in the bottom line, is Savannah DeMello. There's been chatter about her already in the Discord as we've been recording this, this episode. For folks that don't know DeMello, and I, I think there will be a lot of folks out there that, that do not, she's 25 years old in her second year in the NWSL out of USC. She was picked fourth overall ahead of the 2022 season, she has developed into a full star this year. She plays as a number 10 for them in a 4-2-3-1. She's got five goals. She has a nose for the box. She knows how to how to read her teammates' movement and how to find space inside the 18. She's very crafty on the ball, both on the dribble and with her passing. She can create chances for her teammates. She's one of the, the absolute best players, both in terms of facilitating and scoring herself. She's a threat from set pieces, and she runs her tail off defensively. She's really, really good. Never played a single minute with the national team. Has only been in two camps. Didn't play in either of them. Those were both last fall. If she gets on the field, and that is a big if with four other players that can you know, largely play in a similar role on this squad. If she gets on the field, I think she is going to light things up for the U.S. I hope she plays. She's been really, really good this year. And again, on the whole, I think this is a good group. Just kind of questions about how it actually comes together on the field. Am I being too cynical in thinking that DeMello's inclusion, as good as she's been, and Joe, you outlined everything uh, brilliantly there in terms of her club form, but her inclusion in this roster and the fact that maybe a few months ago you wouldn't have selected her to this roster, is that maybe just a little bit of a admission from Vlatko that he's he's not really sure about this midfield unit and and I kind of liken it to um, this is not a great comparison because completely different positions but it's a little bit like Hadji Wright being included in the US uh, men's World Cup squad the last World Cup squad where he was in like great club form but if you are settled if you have like if you're sure of what your front line is going to be he's not getting anywhere near the roster and I do wonder if DeMello's inclusion is just a little bit of a contingency plan a little bit of a safety net if everything or nothing works the way it should in terms of that midfield balance, then Vlatko does at least have her as an option. Yeah, I think it does speak to the fact that it is still a little unsettled for this U.S. team. I mean, in in basically every line of the field, there are question marks either due to injury. Think about Mallory Swanson in the forward line. Think about Katarina Macario, who's been out for a while now and has, has not really been in the picture. You think about the the eight ten positions. You think about the number six spot with Ertz coming back. You think about the center back depth chart changing with Becky Sauerbrunn's injury some of the issues that I raised for the goalkeeper spot. There are a lot of balls up in the air for the U.S. women's national team right now, and, and DeMello was by no means a guarantee to make this squad. Taylor Korniak, it felt like, had the inside track for a while as just a, a unique player with a, a big frame, six foot one, like extremely dominant in the air, clean-ish on the ball, but she hasn't been very good for San Diego Wave this year. And, and let's not forget, the women's national teams only get 23 players for this World Cup. For, for some reason, maybe that has to do with cost and, and the fact that 
you know, like it or not, I think the reality is that women's soccer is still fighting for a role that men's soccer already has in our society and, and with some of the, the different money that's involved in the game. Maybe that plays a part here, but there are only 23 players in the squad. So Vlaco couldn't afford to bring everybody here. I think there are still a lot of things that are unsettled in terms of who plays and, and what the rotations look like, Graham. Uh, and I think the midfield is one of the areas where that shows. All right, let's take a look at the forward positions as well. Six more players to talk about here. Sophia Smith, Trinity Rodman, Lynn Williams, Alyssa Thompson, Megan Rapino, and Alex Morgan, Joe. Um, so Alex it's not Morgan, a bad selection. Let's I, start there. Like, I mean, that, is, that is a pretty strong uh, attack. Right, so no, no real surprises, though. I think, Joe, you might have mentioned you, you might have wanted to see Ashley Hatch in there as another striker option. Well, so that's when I thought would happen. Right. So Katarina Macario has been out for a while with a knee injury. She announced, I think, back in May. So almost a month ago now that she wasn't going to be ready for the World Cup and that, that she basically wasn't going to be there for the USWNT. And so with Macario out, I thought we would see two strikers, like two de facto strikers. I think that's what we've seen from Blackco in basically every camp. Like Hatch has played 19 games at the U.S. She scored a few goals. She's a regular starter for the Spirit. Like it, it seemed like that was going to be the safe, and almost obvious pick. But that's, that's not what happened. And to be honest, I, I'm kind of down for what Vlaco did in the forward group. I think bringing Alex Morgan is, is a no-brainer, even though she hasn't been, like, oh my word, fantastic, jaw-dropping in every game she's played with a national team recently. I think this, this will probably be her last World Cup. Like, she's still been good, and she is still probably one of the, the best options for the U.S. in that spot. But what Vlaco did is say, all right, I'm not going to bring... Hatch. Instead, I'm going to bring five wingers and five attacking midfielders. And, and that gives him more flexibility because two of those wingers in Sophia Smith and Trinity Robin, you can even toss Lynn Williams into this, who plays centrally at times for Gotham. They can play as as number nines. Like Trinity Rodman, yeah. I believe, started against England last year at Wembley as a number nine. Like this, this group is very comfortable rotating into different positions. And Alex Morgan will still be striker number one on the depth chart. But Smith plays as a number nine for the best team in the NWSL in the Portland Thorns. She plays with two wingers around her and is this just direct wrecking ball of a player who can get the ball in the dribble, drive right past you, carve through you in a way that maybe zero other players when Mallory Swanson is injured in the world can do. She can do that job. Trinity Rodman has mostly played as part of a front two for Washington this year, but she can do that job and has done it in, in bits and spurts for the U.S. in the past. And then the Lynn Williams, like I mentioned. She's been great for Gotham this year. She's back. She's scoring goals. She's one of the leading scorers in the NWSL right now in terms of non-penalty goals. She can play as a nine as well. So Vlaco went with flexibility over habit here almost. And, and as someone who's never been particularly impressed with Ashley Hatch with the national team, I, I like this pick. I don't like that he only went with three out-and-out -out center backs, but I, I do like that he went, well, two really out-and-out -out center backs, excuse me. But I do like that he, he kind of went off book with the forward group. Yeah, I agree, Joe. I really like the profile of, of, of the attacking roster. I like the fluidity. I even like having the option between on the left side. Obviously, um, you know, Mar Mallory Swanson injured for this for this roster would have been a shoe in in that position. But now you have a choice between Trinity Rodman, who is this, you know, electrifying presence on the pitch. One one of my favorite players to, to watch in world football at the moment. Every time I, I see her, she's entertaining. You have Trinity Rodman, but then you also have Lynn Williams, who maybe provides a little bit more on the on the defensive side of the ball as well. You have Sophia Smith, who can go into the center, as, as, as you say, Joe. And even Alex Morgan, who I know, Joe, you're maybe not so hot on right now. But in terms of her hold-up play and the way that she can kind of create space for others to spin in behind and with with the wingers cutting in and off the off the off the wings off the flanks, I think she is good for the balance of this team as well. Even at this stage of her of her career, so in my mind, we talked about this, the centre backs being the weakest part of the roster. I think the the attacking roster is is particularly strong and maybe the strongest of any team at this World Cup. Yeah. Yeah, and the question for the U.S. really is not talent in this area. It's not It's not talent anywhere on the field, right? The question for the U.S. is, can the talent come together and gel? And Graham, you kind of got to that point when talking about the midfield and the balance there, and, and will we see that actually work? For the U.S., it, it's been so, so much disappointing attacking play with them maybe just banging crosses into the box unnecessarily, them not moving the ball quickly enough. I'm curious and, and maybe even a little bit optimistic that them deciding to go against, you know, two traditional kind of number nines, although Morgan, she does like to slip in behind, you know, maybe even more often than someone like Ashley Hatch does. But I am, I'm cautiously optimistic that Vlatko deciding to only bring one traditional nine in that way 
is an admission that he needs to, to add some versatility to the attack, that he needs to add something different. And to go, like I said earlier, a little bit off book, I don't know that it's going to work, and I think it will probably take more than just this roster surprise to to really get the U.S. firing on all cylinders. In fact, I'm, I'm sure that it will. But the forward group is incredibly scary. It is absolutely the strength of this team. Joe, how much are we going to see of Alyssa Thompson at this World Cup? I read a, a piece on Backheeled <laughs> about what makes her so good. Yeah. And that was interesting. Uh, I, I have to admit, I, I don't watch kind of full matches of the NWSL, but whenever I see highlights, she's, she's very impressive, obviously having a, a good season with Angel City. So what's her role going to be on this roster? Yeah, it's a little bit hard to say. I don't think she will play a massive role for the US. 18 years old, this is her first season in the NWSL. She is an incredible player. Like, I, I want to give Vlako props for bringing her. I think you could make an argument that there's enough other wide attacking talent and, and maybe there isn't a huge role for her in the squad, so maybe you bring someone else. But even just as an investment for the future, I think it makes sense, right? She is, she's just 18. Like, she's going to be around for Olympics after Olympics and World Cup after World Cup. And, and she can contribute. Like, don't get it twisted. I don't think it's just a let's bring a young player along because that's a, a good thing for the program. She can help. The challenge is there's just obviously a lot of other talented players in front of her. The fact, again, that there's only one nine does clue the path for her a little bit in terms of substitute minutes. Uh, she is a fantastic dribbler, good on the ball, confident in the attack. Like, she checks kind of all of the boxes, even as a developing young player. I hope we see her. I think her role will end up being sort of a, a late game sub and probably not an every game late game sub. But I mean, she's good enough and has done so much in, in a very short time that it feels difficult to rule her out from even a slightly larger role than that. Let's take another quick break. When we return, we'll dig into this squad even more. Look at the strengths, the weaknesses, the questions that need to be answered, the absences, the kits, everything. We'll be back shortly. Total Soccer Show, welcome back to our big thing. Graham, I think we've kind of established in uh, the previous segment that the strong, the strength of this squad is in its forward line and perhaps the key weakness is the central defensive unit. Is that fair to say? Yeah, I think that that is fair. Um, when I look at the, the other teams, so I compared the attack to other rosters in, in, in this World Cup and I think the US comes out on top in terms of that strength. But then when I look at the other teams that are going to be favourites at this World Cup. I'm talking about, well, I kind of placed the US in a group of four favourites along with uh, Germany, England and France. Those are those are my four favourites. And I look at those other three teams and they all have that sort of dominant physical um, defensive presence. Uh, so, you know, France have Wendy Renard, England have Millie Bright, Leah Williamson is out injured. She, I would have counted her as well as a, a, a dominant uh, presence in the back line she won't be at this world cup but then you have uh, germany with uh, marina hegering as well who was very good at the euros and maybe it's possible that alana cook becomes that 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 dominant um defender maybe even naomi, naomi gurma as well there, there is potential there but with becky serbran dropping out there, there is maybe a little bit of a lead a leadership uh, vacuum there mm. in, in in that position so that is one question not just the depth but also just the that dominant central defender at this moment in time um, doesn't seem to be apparent for the US. But if someone is going to make that step up, it's going to happen at it's going to happen at a World Cup. So there is the potential for that to happen. Yeah, yeah. I think Gurma. I think Gurma will emerge as one of the players of the tournament. I think she is you know, just in her second season in the NWSL right now with San Diego. She was a rock during their expansion year. They had a, a lot of success that year. You know, she's also burst onto the scene relatively recently with the national team after after being at Stanford. Like she, she's incredibly solid in every single phase of the game: on the ball, recovering in defensive transition, starting you know attacks out of the back, defending attacking set pieces, all of that stuff. I think she's a, a real asset and will be a huge player for the U.S. here between Gurma and and maybe getting something out of Ertz. And, and she is still a question mark. But if Ertz is even close to her former self and is is really the version that we saw back in April. I think that will be a fearsome tandem for opponents to deal with, with Ertz as the six, and then Gurma as is really the standout center back. I think that that could be an area of strength, but the other center back spot and the lack of depth in, in the middle of the back line definitely is a concern here, Ryan. 
Yeah, and one of the big concerns from the games against England and um, and Spain last year, which was obviously a, a really useful yardstick for the US coming off the back of the, the Euros, where I think it hit a lot of people the challenge that the US is going to face at this World Cup and the, and, and the rising tide from, from European um, soccer. One of the biggest issues was just how easily opposition teams found it to disrupt the US while, while pressing them in midfield, how easily they coughed up the ball. I think against England, the US had something like 30% of possession and it was better against um, Spain. I think it was 48% in, in, in that game. So, you know, pretty much 50-50. But nonetheless, it felt like there was a lot of gaps that were there to be exploited in midfield. So I think even in, you know, you wouldn't look at the individuals in the US roster and say that's a weakness for that squad. The the US still has one of the best midfields in the competition. But again, coming back to that word balance um, and formula, maybe the midfield is a bit of a weakness for the US going off what we saw in those friendlies er uh, last year and earlier this year. Joe, Joe, we've seen this roster or this, uh, this team described as a team in transition. We've got what around ten players who've been there, done that, and around half the roster who are relatively new to this exercise. Would you agree? Fourteen, with... fourteen, I believe. At twenty-three, this is their first World Cup, right? Okay. Which is quite a high number. Yeah, there you go. So that is that is Joe. That is a high number, isn't it? What do you, what do you think about the? Is, is that a concern as well? Obviously, having Salbron not there, having your captain not there, having, not having your rocket defence there, and having a lot of rookies in there as well. That's got to be a consideration for the locker room. It's got to be a consideration for on the field as well. I think it is. I think it is especially a consideration when it comes to the locker room. And it's a miss, right, to not have Becky Sauerbrunn there. I think that is that is incredibly obvious. What I will say is there are other real veterans in this squad, right? You think about Alyssa Nair, who's been to World Cups before. She's done this thing before. You think about, you know, in, in midfield, someone like Julie Ertz. She brings a lot of experience to this team. Kelly O'Hara at, at fullback. She's been to multiple World Cups before as well. I think her inclusion is made more valuable by the fact that Sauerbrunn isn't here. And Megan Rapino, Like, there is still a nice group of veterans to help lead this Alex group. Alex Morgan. To help them. Yeah, Alex Morgan as well. Thank, thank you, Graham. That's an obvious one. Like, this team is not really short on veteran leadership. Now, they are young, and they are you know, somewhat inexperienced when it comes to big tournaments. And I do place some blame on that uh, for, for Vlako, Vlako Andonovsky's decision to keep the squad old for the last Olympics. Like there's not really any other way to phrase that. The team was was old straight up at that tournament and Blackco decided to wait until afterwards to make these changes and, and it didn't work straight up. I think that was a mistake from him, especially in hindsight. It's obvious to see that, but there's talent here. I'm not really concerned about this group being overawed by the moment. I think they are, are so far and above every other team in their group in terms of their position in the World Cup draw. And, and they are still easily one of the best teams, even without their injuries, one of the best teams at this tournament. I don't know that they are so obviously the best team in the world right now. I've written for Backheel before. It, it seems to me, from watching the U.S. play some of these teams last year and from watching you know, some of these European teams at the Euros, which we went deep on here on TSS, like there's talent in the world. There's, there's a greater level of talent in some of these, especially the top European countries, than there has ever been. And the gap is smaller, for real. I know we talk about this all the time, and it's been talked about for decades now. The gap is, is actually, if not closed is so close to being closed. I think this tournament is going to be probably the hardest that the U.S. have faced, not in terms of the route to a deep spot. I think we, we mapped this out before here on the show, and the U.S. have a pretty favorable draw, and they have a pretty favorable path at the beginning of the knockout rounds. But man, they're not just going to walk through to three-peat here. It is going to be a real challenge, even with a good squad that I think is absolutely ready for this moment. I'll be really interested to see what lineup Vlaco picks for the opening game against Vietnam because I do wonder if those circumstances that you outline there, Joe, about the challenge being real. That's the storyline for the US coming into this into this World Cup is this is a team in transition and the rest of the world seems up for the challenge of knocking them off their perch and they have the quality to do so. So ordinarily, you know, in 2019, if it was Vietnam in the first game, maybe Vlaco picks you know Casey Murphy as he's as 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 you know as, as a starting goalkeeper maybe it's Andy Sullivan and in, in, in the number six role maybe Sophia Smith starts as as the number nine you know maybe there's a little bit of rotation there and uh and with with the latter rounds in mind but 
does he go with his A team right off the bat and make a statement in that Vietnam game and run up the score? I hope I'm not being too disrespectful to Vietnam because I don't know a great deal about them, but I can't imagine they have anywhere near the talent that the the US have. I think that will be quite an easy opener for the US. Do they, does he go with the A team and make a statement and make the rest of the world kind of sit up and take note of the talent that the US has or does he maybe play the longer game and, and rotate right from the off? Joe, can I pick up on something you said a couple of minutes ago? You said, I'm not sure that this US team is the best in the world. Is that not inherently a problem in itself? Because the US comes into World Cups in quite a unique position in that it's expected to win or nothing. So there's a, there's a, there's a layer of pressure there. And it's fair enough if you're not particularly bullish about this at this stage, but there should be an expectation that this team is going to win. So if there isn't that feeling right now, why is that? Well, Fox Sports have leaned into that with their ad. Yeah, I think there is that. very good. I think there is that feeling among a lot of folks. I've just been consistent on this. I think Vlako Andonovsky has consistently gotten less out of this group than he should. And we saw that really be a problem at the Olympics, even with a lot of different players. The tactical side really hasn't changed for the better. And it, it feels like I talked about some of the attacking issues. It feels like they're leaving something on the table basically every time they step out on the field. Not to say that they're not going to have a lot of success in this tournament because their talent is good enough to brute force them, all of those things. But my feeling is that the U.S. underperforms their talent level, which is the starting point. And my feeling is also that teams like Germany and England and France and Spain, even with some challenges, especially for Spain in terms of of players and, and treatment and all of those things, my feeling is that they've gotten a lot better. And so in general, with the national team, with the women's national team, they, they have been on top for so long. They can only continue to have a giant gap for so long, right? Like mm-hmm. the rest of the world on the, on the men's side of things, they're, they're dominant, right? Like these other European teams are dominant. You know, they, they know how to produce players. They know how to put you know, money into the game. They're willing to build infrastructure. You know, England is probably a fantastic example of that. It seems now like they're just starting to care about the women's game and it's taken far too long. Like they're just starting to realize that this is an incredible, not only opportunity, but it is an incredible thing. And and they're actually starting to try and allocate resources. And I think we're seeing how quickly the infrastructure that's already in place for the sport period, regardless of gender, we're seeing how quickly that is impacting the women's program and, 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 and these programs across some of these European countries. So I, I think it is unrealistic to expect for every tournament moving forward, that the U.S. is still top dog. Now, I think they are still top dog here, but the mm. contenders are better. I think they're still the favorites coming to this tournament, but the contenders are better. And and it's going to continue to get narrower and narrower. The margins are going to get continue to get finer and finer. The U.S. can do a better job of, of identifying coaching talent, first of all, and identifying you know players and, and developing a pathway. The girls' youth soccer scene here in the U.S. is still an absolute mess. Like It is, in some ways, impressive that they managed to produce as good talent as they have given how messy some of that stuff is lower down the pyramid and how many issues seem to pop up but like you know the U.S. can only expect to be this dominant force for so long and I think this might be a tournament where we start to see that get talked about more and more in a real way not in like this you know maybe it's going to happen maybe this is the time you know Europe has some talent no like this is real these teams are real and they are absolutely coming for the U.S. And we saw that last year when they lost, I think, what, it was three consecutive games for the first time in decades? Like, this is a new era for women's soccer, and and this World Cup is going to be, has the potential at least to be a rude awakening for a team that is still, in the U.S., exceptionally strong. And and that's the thing that's changed. So we, there are there are minor things we can talk about. Vlatko as a manager, I think, in management terms, you look at Suna Wiegmann and uh, Vos Tecklenburg as 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 well. And I know we haven't really seen much of him in his new job, but Jamie Lannister, I mean, Herve Renard, the new uh, France national team manager, these are these are good coaches, and I'm not sure Vlatko is is up to their level. So we can talk about kind of minor um, things like that, but at macro level looking at the US and the the place that the the program is in I don't think the US not being strong favorites for this World Cup is necessarily a statement on the health of women's football in the US as a whole I look at players like Sophia Smith and Trinity Rodman and Alyssa Thompson who are the embodiment of the next generation for the US and are already making their their mark at the top of the game. And I still think the US produces more of those sorts of players than any other country. So in in those terms, the US is still the 
the top dog, even if the team on the pitch, the national team right now, is in this state of sort of transition, which means they they can maybe be got at um, more than in other tournaments. Mm. Very good points. Okay, uh, why don't we finish off, guys? Uh, Graham, you touched on this. The 11s that we think we'll see for the group stage games. And you mentioned, Graham, it might be different for Vietnam as to the second game against the Netherlands. How different will it be? What do you think this team's going to line up like, Graham? We'll start with you first. I think he'll go for the A team for the at least for the first half against Vietnam. Again, I hope I'm not being too disrespectful, but this is this is the way that the the Women's World Cup can can be. Maybe there isn't the the you know depth throughout the tournament. We saw it was it with Thailand in in, yeah. in 2019 that the US ran up the score, um, which seemed to cause a lot of English football journalists to wet themselves. <laughs> uh, I remember the reaction to that game and some of the celebration. So I hope I'm not being too disrespectful, but I think the US will be pretty comfortable in that one and maybe they will rotate for the second half. Maybe we'll see some changes at halftime if the US is pretty comfortable at that point. You would then think for the Netherlands, which is the, the toughest game in, in the group, given the, the, the calibre and the pedigree that they have, that we'll see a strong team again. The hope for the US is that they take six points out of six, and then by the time they get to Portugal, who are playing at their first uh, World Cup, um, that maybe you know there's some more rotation that happens at, at that point. And then the, the US have a a, a favourable draw up until the, the the semi-final stage where things get a little bit real. Is it, is it Japan, I think, they're maybe projected to face in the semi-finals? I can't quite remember. We did this on one of our shows. We kind of plotted it out. Um, but I, I think the US uh, in the knockout rounds would be foolish not to kind of go with whatever their A-team is at that moment. But I do think there will be some rotation in the group stage. All right, Joe, you are Vlatko. It is the eve of the Vietnam game. Let's hear your eleven. Okay, so I get to do what I want because I'm occupying Vlaco's body. Is that is that correct? Yes, yeah, being John Malkovich's situation, you're controlling his body. Excellent. All right. Well, then I'm rocking with Aubrey Kingsbury in goal. I'm rocking with Woo! Naomi Gurma and Alana Cook as my two starting center backs. I've got Crystal Dunn on the left side of that back four. Emily Fox on the right side of that back four. Julie Ertz is going to be kind of a, a single pivot for me. And then I'll have Rose Lavelle and Savannah DeMello as the two kind of free number eights in a, a true single pivot, 4-3-3 kind of shape. Sophia Smith and Trinity Rodman will be on the wings with Alex Morgan up top as the number nine. Do I think that's what's going to happen? Absolutely not. I think we will probably see Alyssa Nair as the goalkeeper. We'll see Gurma and Cook, those two are, are locked in at center back. Dunn and Fox as well, the back four picks itself. I do think we will see Julie Ertz as a number six. Lindsey Horan will probably flex between a, a you know an eight and a ten dropping a little bit deeper to form a double pivot at times. I think Lavelle's still got the inside track to the starting role. It doesn't seem like they're concerned about her fitness, according to quotes that have come out from the presser. And then it'll be the same front three that I mentioned. So really, my changes come in midfield with the, the number eight, number 10 position, and then in in, in goal. I don't think Flacco's going to lean my way on this, but hey, he already pulled out some surprises that I didn't expect in the actual squad. Maybe there's more to come as this tournament actually starts. Just going on on his presser, I get the feeling this is a total hunch, but I wonder if Julie Ertz is going to be a starter at centre back, or at least start a, a couple of the matches Could at centre back. Just just the the way he, as I say, the, this only happened just before we started recording, but the way he, he he wasn't very fluffy in his response. He was pretty um, straight down the middle and saying that is something that we are looking at, which makes me think that might happen. All right. Good stuff, guys. I think we've pretty much covered the USWNT's 23-person roster heading to Auckland. 16 hours ahead of East Coast, Joe. That's 19 hours ahead for you. Fun, right? It's basically a week ahead, Ryan. I mean, how, how yeah. are we supposed to plan for this? You just can't Different do it. Planet. can't be done. Too hard. Different Math's planet. too hard. <laughs> it is indeed. How, how are we actually going to work this? I'm just thinking, because four of us right now are in different time zones. I think it'll be three different time zones during the World Cup. And then we'll have Australia and New Zealand to factor in as well. Uh, are there going to be days? Lots of math. I think we could end up being days apart here. Also, one quick correction. I've never been to the Southern Hemisphere. That was, I totally was incorrect earlier. Looked at a map, totally wrong. Just wanted to be honest. I didn't what did feel you good think about myself. was in the Southern Hemisphere? I don't want to talk about it, Ryan. I really don't want to talk about it. <laughs> you thought Florida was the Southern, southern I Hemisphere, I thought the bottom tip you? of Florida was in the Southern Hemisphere. Um, <laughs> oh, yeah. bless your Shameful. heart, Joseph Larry. Shameful. Bless your heart. All right. Thank you very much, Joe, despite your geographical uh, naivety for your, uh, your roster analysis honest but geographically naive i'm happy with that combo <laughs> and graham rutherford thank you as always uh, some excellent insight here 
Thank you, Rain Billy. And listener, thank you very much for joining us on this one. Let us know what you think of the roster and anything else that's on your mind. We'll be back on the feed very shortly. But for now, bye! Bye!